This time, we're taking a special look at Zack Snyder's Justice League. And along the way, we ask, could Ben Affleck have been the best on-screen Batman? Exactly how much of this film is in slow motion? And is there a future for the DC Extended Universe? This is Force-Fed Sci-Fi. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to a very special edition of the Force-Fed Sci-Fi Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Chris Rupp, and I am joined by my friend and co-host... The Flash, Sean Michael Culp. Okay, so if you were in the Justice League, the Flash would be your guy? <laughs> uh, no, I, I mean, obviously, I'm a lover of Batman. Batman is the man. But uh, I do have a shirt from that is the Flash. It's like a retro vintage Flash shirt from Six Flags from like 2006. So whenever I wear it, everyone always assumes I love the Flash. So I'm just going to go with it, man. I am the Flash. <laughs> Because I used to run track and cross, so it just makes sense. What character would you be, Chris? You know, the obvious choices would be Batman or Superman, and I just got to go with Batman. Batman's my favorite comic book character ever. Oh, and he's the bomb. I relate, I relate hard to Batman sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Why can I not open up emotionally to people? <laughs> Well, for one thing, my mother's name isn't Martha, so I don't I don't have that going for me. <laughs> that that's good, and they are still alive, which is good. Yes. You don't have that childhood scarring in that way. But many so other- like we like we said, we are talking about the new cut of Justice League, the appropriately titled Zack Snyder's Justice League, and. I, for one, was excited to see this, and, and we're, we'll certainly get into the finer points of it later in our show today, but I don't know about you, but I was very, I was kind of left un, unthrilled by the by the 2018 release. I don't know how you felt about it. Uh, 2018 release, uh, I, I watched it, I think, like two years ago or something, and to me, it was just like kind of meh. I think I got bored halfway through and just turned it off. It just didn't really make sense to me. Um, or, or I, I guess I, 2017 is when it came out. Yeah, it it. I honestly, I, if I could be honest, um, I really haven't seen much of these Zack Snyder films. I hate to say it, but I saw Man of Steel and it was okay. It was a decent movie. But after that, like I, I was away in AIT when Man- Batman vs Superman came out, and I heard it sucked, so I never saw it. And I heard about the infamous Martha. Why did you say that name? And I was like, all right, I'm not gonna watch this movie. And I heard Justice League sucked too, so I was like, well, I'm not gonna watch this either. So the only actual Snyder film that I have seen, uh, and it's not even Snyder actually. Part of his universe was uh, Suicide Squad, and that was terrible. So. I'm pretty much, yeah, outside of, like, Wonder Woman. I think those Wonder Woman, Suicide Squad, and Man of Steel are the only three that I've ever seen. Yeah, this was certainly in that weird period where DC oh. and Warner Brothers was trying to do too much of what Terrible. Marvel was already doing. And it definitely hindered the quality of their films. Oh, yeah. It was, like, studio pandering to the like the nth degree they wouldn't let the directors do what they could do you know but we can talk about that once we talk about like production and everything 
Absolutely. So, I mean, I think everybody's familiar with the plot of Justice League. Um, yeah. There's these ancient alien boxes called Mother Boxes that wake up now that Superman's dead. And apparently aliens think, oh, Earth is up for the taking now. So all these these powerful aliens just descend on Earth to go after these Mother Boxes. And so Batman must work together with Wonder Woman and get all these metahumans together and find a way to resurrect Superman and just defend Earth in a very Avengers-esque plot. <laughs> Low-key, if I do recall the original, like 2017, I had no idea what the hell the boxes were for. But when I started watching this movie, I was like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, there was... Um, yeah, I didn't understand. I mean, I'm not as huge into the, uh, like DC Comics. I mean, I'm certainly familiar with Batman, but... I mean, obviously, Batman doesn't go toe-to-toe with Darkseid uh, too often, so I, I'm, I'm a tad <laughs> unfamiliar with the, the concept of, the, of these mother boxes. Same. Same. I, I didn't I didn't know that they're part of the lore, to be honest. It shows how lack of a DC fan I am. But, I mean, in the movie, it made sense, right? Like, all right, they need the boxes to, you know, Lazarus pit this man. Yeah, or you at least need one of them, but I think all three of them, yeah, all three of them together just totally terraform of planets and just make it and, mm-hmm. and just shape it to the will of its creator or whoever. <laughs> right. So these boxes are essentially the uh, fist of Thanos, the glove with all the infinity stones. Yeah, they're basically like three, in, they're basically giant infinity stones and put them together on that slab. It becomes the infinity gauntlet and you can do whatever you want pretty much. <laughs> right on right on so who who chris who is in this film we already said Zack snyder directed it and i think you said ben affleck is batman but who else if people don't already know i mean the cast is unchanged from the previous um uh version of justice league but we do have some familiar faces coming back from previous dc films uh, Gal Gadot is Wonder Woman. You got Jason mm-hmm. Momoa as Aquaman. Henry Cavill is back as Superman. Ezra Miller is the Flash. Uh, newcomer Ray Fisher. He's Victor Stone slash Cyborg. Then you get Siren Hines as Steppenwolf. Um, Joe Morton as Silas Stone, Victor Stone's father. Jeremy Irons, who really gives an underrated performance as Alfred Pennyworth. Amen. And then you kind of get into the the nitty gritty of sort of like the like the supporting characters you've got amber heard as mira who eventually becomes aquaman's girlfriend you've got jk simmons playing commissioner gordon and then really briefly you get these three cameos close to the end of the film you have jared leto returning to play the joker in that nightmare um, apocalypse sequence Mm -hmm. where he has a very sexually charged conversation with batman (laughs) and then you got jesse eisenberg and Joe Manganiello returning as Lex Luthor and Deathstroke, respectively. Mm-hmm. And that scene at the end, in the end credits, is significantly different than it was in the original cut. And we'll certainly talk about that in a moment. But mm-hmm. I mean, this is a great cast. Like, if I were yeah. going to do a Justice League movie and I were casting it, I probably would not do better than this cast. No, it's bloated as hell. And it, I mean, it's fantastic actors in there. You got a whole array of people from Oscar winners to people that have been nominated. So I think that's just that's a hell of a cast. Yeah. And I I don't know how you felt about the Ben Affleck casting as Batman, but I was I was hesitant 
to say the least, but I was willing to give him a chance because I thought he could really crush the role if the dialogue was right and he prepared for it. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you felt about Ben Affleck. Um, I echo your uh, feelings as well. I So I know a lot of people hate Ben Affleck. I actually enjoy him. I think he's a good actor. Um, it's tough because I still think they did all these like movies too close to the, like the last trilogy from Nolan. So it is always tough for me to shake the taste out of like Christian Bale out of my mouth, like his Batman um, as opposed to Ben Affleck. But honestly, this film to me, I think Ben Affleck was great. I think he's a fantastic Bruce Wayne. Um, to me, it was he didn't seem out of place, you know? He didn't seem like George Clooney when he played Batman. So to me, I, I actually enjoyed him a lot. Yeah, I mean, after seeing him in Batman v Superman, I mean, and I know a lot of people have very differing opinions about that film, but I am I am one of its defenders. Like, mm-hmm. I do not hate that film. It appeals to the hardcore Batman fanboy that lives inside of me. <laughs> and you will never hear me say a crossword about <laughs> Dawn of Justice. I think it's a I think it's a great movie. But and he really with the exception of the Martha scene, he he really kind of blew away my expectations as Batman. And I was very impressed with what he was able to do with not only as Batman, but as Bruce Wayne, because it's it's very hard to pull off that dichotomy of playboy Bruce Wayne that everybody sees. Then there's the Bruce Wayne that only Alfred knows. Mm-hmm. And then there's Batman, the the su- almost supernatural vigilante crime fighter. And it, and, and I thought he, he did a, an amazing job playing that character. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's serious. He's not like a cartoon. He looks the part. I don't think um, Ben Affleck like overdoes it, you know, as the character Bruce Wayne. And honestly, to say, so the Dawn of Justice, I heard that initially because the studio like cut it to shreds, it sucked and it didn't make sense. But when they released like the extended version of it, that it actually made a lot more sense. So I haven't seen it. I heard that the extended version is way better, you know, so I I may watch it one day. Yeah, the extended cut has something like um, in the neighborhood of like 20 to 30 additional minutes that weren't in the original cut. And <laughs> me being me, of course, I have that and I've watched it several times. <laughs> Is it better than the original? You know, I wouldn't say it's better. I would say it's a lot like the new cut of The Godfather Part 3 that recently came out. It's not better. It just gives more clarity to the film. Okay. Okay. And. I leave that open to interpretation whether or not anybody wants to think that that makes it a better film, but it just it for me those adi- that additional footage just helps make Batman v Superman make sense. All right, well I'll give it a shot because I heard that the reason why the movie bombed was because there were so many like holes in the plot. So I heard that the uh, footage kind of fills those holes, and really, if that would and that's like a theme that we'll talk about with this with Zack Snyder's movies if they just let him release the product that he initially made they probably would have had a better standing with the audience members and critics you know we wouldn't have had to had this protest to get this freaking film released four years later but before we go into that why don't we talk about the production well I guess we can talk about that you know with this film so the initial came out in 2017 it bombed it got eviscerated by the critics. They had Joss Whedon come in to clean up 
clean house of the 2017 because Zack Snyder's daughter, I believe, um, committed suicide, unfortunately. And 90% of the way through the film, he was just like, I can't do this. And he bailed. So then they had Joss Whedon come in. They said, make it Marvel. And he tried the best of his ability to make this film Marvel, but it did not work. What You can add to that. Yeah, Joss Whedon coming off the success that was the Avengers and Avengers Age of Ultron, uh, Warner Brothers brought him on to do extensive rewrites. They wanted to yeah. punch up the humor. They wanted to, you know, lighten up the plot a little bit. And that's also included reshooting many scenes that Zack Snyder had already shot. And it was like $70 million. $70 million. And the film was already pretty expensive to begin with. And because of those reshoots and the added production work, it caused the production of Justice League to balloon to in the neighborhood of $300 million. And <laughs> you basically have an untenable budget with that. You have all this money that you spent. And that means you have to... You now have to make an ungodly amount of money just to break mm. even. And Warner Brothers' projected break-even point for Justice League was somewhere between $675 million and $700 million. Which and is insane. That is nuts, especially for how poorly the previous films in the DC Extended Universe had performed up to this point. That is an ungodly amount of expectations to put on this film. And because it was so panned and there was just a lack of enthusiasm for it, it it only grossed about $657 million. And Mm -hmm. the estimates are unclear as to how much this this cost the studio. But Warner Brothers, I think they've estimated that they'd lost somewhere in the neighborhood of $60 million following the bomb of Justice League. Which is insane. That it's an imagine the most money you've ever made, <laughs> and you will have to keep imagining it for the next one thousand years to make up to get to sixty billion dollars. Well, all you gotta do, Chris, is watch the twenty seventeen Justice League and be like, that joke was worth a million dollars. <laughs> that joke was worth two million freaking dollars. <laughs> Did it land? No. Oh, God. And I heard that in the original Justice League, uh, the 2017, you could, like, tell the difference because they, like, pulled Ben Affleck back in when he was, like, gaining weight for a different role. So, like, his face was fatter. Like, the scenes that were reshoot, like, they were starkly different than the original version. Much like the ending for this one. There was a lot more humor. Like, you could definitely feel Joss Whedon's handprints when he basically tore the tore the original version to shreds like the the dialogue is a lot more humorous there's a lot of weird jokes that come from batman and that was one of the changes that i noticed right away was that pretty much any hint of humor that batman has or any hint of humor period in this film is just gone no he's serious like bruce wayne should be you know like bruce wayne i always thought of him as more of like a serious person and his jokes if he does make a joke it's supposed to be like really once in a blue moon and it's like supposed to be unexpected you know and this yeah batman does not make jokes he makes remarks whether or not you want to interpret that as jokes that's up to you but he does not joke 
No, he's a very serious man. And I think Ben Affleck, when I saw this, he got it down. I think, you know, those scenes with The Flash, with uh, Gal Gadot, just all of them. They, to me, they were smooth. I mean, he was just, he was class. I, I thought he kind of reminded me of Keaton a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, Michael Keaton is still, I think, oh yeah, top three in terms of on-screen Batman. Um, By far. But yeah, Ben Affleck definitely gave Michael Keaton a run for his money. Like, we finally get to see a nuanced Batman. And mm-hmm. and uh, granted, his dialogue is still pretty corny. I don't think a lot of uh, you would have you basically would have to make an entirely different movie to sort of fix that. But yeah, yeah. I, Batman kind of oscillates between this, you know, hero who wants to fight and defend people. But then he also has to struggle with the fact that he now is the de facto leader of the Justice League. So and. And that's just there's that's not the only change. Obviously, with a with a total different cut, there's so many different things that are have added into this film. Like, finally, Silas Stone gets like finally gets a decent subplot. There's even there's just more backstory involving Cyborg. And yeah, one of the complaints that I think was lobbed against the original was the fact that you introduce this new and interesting character and you give him next to no backstory and exposition. Yeah, his character didn't make any sense. It was like, why is he there? You know, he just seemed like shoehorned in. It just did it. His character, they didn't spend any time on in 2017. And the Flash was just weird. I remember kind of when I briefly watched parts of it, he was like obsessed with brunch, which was stupid. Whereas with this, there was no brunch mentioning. There was no brunch mentioning at all, which was great. And Cyborg, his character, honestly... In this film, I think Cyborg, to me, he kind of resonated. Him and Flash were, like, to me, the two, the peak of the film. I think they carried, like, the emotional weight. Yeah, they really did. I mean, obviously, the, the, Flash, is, the Flash is given, like, the briefest of prologues in, prima, in that whole scene with, that, um, with Iris West. We don't even know that that's the character's name. You have to, like, look into the credits for her <laughs> name, and she's never brought up again at any point in the film. Um, but but he's so just cool. The, it was cool. Don't yeah. It was oh even though God. half of it was in slow motion. <laughs> yeah, I mean Zack Snyder is basically Michael Bay, but with slow motion instead of explosions. So, dude, oh my God, I was thinking the same thing when watching this. I'm like, dude, this guy's like Michael Bay, but everything's slow mo. But he did the scene right because the all the hot dogs when they were slow motion flying, I was like, I wonder if he's gonna take a hot dog, and he did. It's like yes. Take me. <laughs> Eat it to the dog. But yeah, I mean, yeah, the Flash and Cyborg were two of the characters that were done wrong in the original cut. And finally, like a lot of the corny dialogue was taken away from Flash. I mean, he doesn't seem like this little lost puppy compared to, you know, Batman or Wonder Woman. Because the Flash is a hero in his own right. Is he quirky? Yes. Is he meek? No. And that was that was one of the main, and I think in the original Justice League. There's this really weird scene where they're they're about to go fight some parademons, and Flash is all freaking out, like, "Oh, I have this thing about guns and bugs, and all I do is just run really fast and I push people. Like, I don't know how to punch. Like, dude, like, you have your own superhero costume. Like, and you mean to tell me you're afraid now? Like, what are you doing? What is this? I know they made him out into such a wimp. 
Whereas with this, I love how flashes because him like uh, Cyborg, you know, his dad is in jail. And to me, that was really cool. I didn't know that about Flash, at least in this universe. But having him be like the key, you know, to resurrecting Superman, to being the guy that reverses time so they can kill Stephen Wolf. To me, that was awesome because I feel like with these films, with the DC universe, they struggle with the Superman problem, you know, where he's like, God, he's just too incredible. But honestly, it was fantastic to see Zack Snyder get him right, you know? Superman, he just didn't get there in time. He couldn't do it. It was out of his control, so they needed someone else to win because that's always the big argument with Superman with... You know, people that don't like DC, well, he's perfect, so why does he just punch people to death, you know, or use his laser vision to, uh, like, zap him? But with this, the, how the story was wrote, it was fantastic. Like, they worked as a team, and they needed, they didn't know if he was going to come back. So I felt like how he he executed using Superman in the story was 10 times better than 2017. 10 times better. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And... I think they just they steered into the skid when it comes to the problem with Superman, because when you have a movie like this and you omit Superman for much of it, at any point he shows up, he's going to be viewed as a deus ex machina. Mm -hmm. And they just rolled with it. They they have him blocking and breaking Steppenwolf's axe and, and him just shaking his head, going not impressed, which I thought was an amazing intro to this character that in yes. the, the black suit Superman. I I'm a huge fan of the black suit. For Superman, Me I think it, I wish that there were there. Were, I wish he wore a black suit permanently. That's how great it looks on him. I totally agree. I thought it was fantastic. And to get back to the Flash, the ending scene where he reverses time was so cool. Like, I didn't know that he could do that because I don't know much about the Flash. Um, but that whole scene, how it was executed, him being the the key. To the survival was just so cool to the story arc it, it was unexpected for me well yeah i mean that's one of the yeah flash's powers and he even talks about that like if i go too fast i'll go back in time and part of his backstory or i guess one of the main like seminal moments in the character's history is when he goes back in time like so quickly and totally changes like a bunch of characters history they call it the flashpoint paradox and it okay. sets it totally changes the the history of the dc timeline i think one of the most memorable ones is is batman where instead of bruce wayne's parents die bruce wayne is killed his dad becomes wow. his dad becomes batman and his mom becomes the joker which is awesome oh i've heard of that that is so cool yeah it, but it sets up like the potential for that appearing mm -hmm. in future films if we got the Zack snyder cut which we didn't at the time <laughs> um, to talk a little bit about more of Cyborg, I felt his father, whoever that actor was, did a great job. I think their relationship was fantastic. You know, you felt the animosity, but as the film grew, he ended up, you know, um, feeling for his dad and respecting his dad and not wanting him to die, which he ends up dying at the end, sacrificing himself, but in a way where it wasn't useless. You know, it furthered the plot. And to me, that was great. Great storytelling. Yeah, I mean, he gave them a way of tracking the mother box, which they needed. I mean, you can treat that as a plot hole or whatever, but I feel like 
Dr. Stone's death was essential for yeah. Victor to move on and embrace that this the human part of him that's still there while reconciling with the machine that's taken over his mind and body. Exactly. <laughs> it's so oh. what else was changed in this film? Steppenwolf was the big one. Um, he looks totally different. He looks badass as hell. He doesn't look like a weird c- CGI guy <laughs> with like a green outfit. It just God. Uh, we also have the entire omission of the prologue from Joss Whedon's Justice League. There is no weird CGI face Superman. There is also no weird Batman scene. You know, stringing out that burglar and tra- and luring the parademon so the entire opening is just reworked for this film um <laughs> you mean the opening where he just so happens to see the bug explode and a bunch of boxes on the wall <laughs> yep we also finally see dark side in this film yes and he looks badass as hell i so i don't know much about dark side i i think i read a comic book years ago where um Dark side like kills Superman and then they have to go like back in time. It's like a weird issue. Um, I think it's in it's like crisis something crisis. Dark side is like it's the, fa- it's the- dark side is the Thanos of DC. Let's to put it mildly. Yes. And he's so cool as a villain. And I thought the to me like the whole I viewed this film as kind of like an epic, honestly. And that whole um, exposition that Wonder Woman spouts out to Bruce Wayne when she's explaining like why the boxes are important and all that, that whole scene where dark side and like Steppenwolf and like where they all come down and then they have the battle with like Zeus and the aqua people and all that. That was so cool, man. It made me think dark side is like, wow, what a villain. I mean, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I just, I mean, he was only referenced in the briefest of lines in, the original Justice League, and then here we finally see him. He is a presence, mm-hmm. and he's freaking terrifying. Mm-hmm. He is. I think they got him down. He looks so cool. But there's, I mean, and there's so many things that actually set up a sequel, or would have potentially set up, potentially set up a sequel. The Martian Manhunter appears at the very end of the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, Deathstroke uh, shows up uh, thanks to Lex Luthor wanting to be a, a jackass and ruin Bruce Wayne's life. Um, but also major difference. This Zack Snyder's justice league has a hard R rating. Yeah. Like there is blood, there's swearing and violence just off the charts, off the chain. Like this film is definitely not for your little ones. You think so? I mean, I guess, but like, so to me, the swear words didn't seem like they fit. Like, I feel like the swear words, the majority of the F words were used, like, in the extra portion, especially that last 10 minutes with Batman and the Joker talking, which we can talk about that and our thoughts on that. Um, But I don't know. I guess maybe because, like, I'm almost 30, so when I see, like, CGI bug people exploding and like with their little guts to me that's like ah it's fake but I guess to like a 13 year old or like a 10 year old they'd be like whoa man oh my gosh I mean depending what kind of parents you have your parents might be cool with letting you watch this but I mean me personally like if I had little children this is not a film I'm having them sit down and watch (laughs) with me I'll show them the original Christopher Reeve Superman or 
have them watch some Adam West Batman, but no, they are not watching Zack Snyder's Justice League. Well, you'd have to be able to strap him down to a chair. What 10-year-old is going to sit for four hours and watch this? I know! <laughs> four hours! I mean, low-key, though, I used to watch Lord of the Rings all the time as a kid. Um, and actually, this film made me want to watch Lord of the Rings now because it's such a fantastic epic. I feel like this is an epic. Yeah, this is definitely in the vein of an epic film, but it's like Ben Hur. I mean, it took a yeah, it took a long way to get from God. Joss Whedon's Justice League to the Zack Snyder Justice League, oh, and yeah. I think for as I think for as much crap as we hurl at fandom culture, I would say the fans are really the ones who are most responsible for making sure. We got the Snyder Cut. Yes, we had the hashtag release the Snyder Cut uh, movement in 2017 because everyone was pissed off that Whedon came in and like screwed with the film and they were just tired of it because we heard about how the Batman vs. Superman had the extended cut and that was great. And then they're like, what the hell? Why did they make this film worse with Josh Whedon? So it ended up being successful, right? I mean, yeah, eventually. I mean, it took them, God, almost two and a half years, really, to meet with Zack Snyder, see what he wanted to do, and then finally greenlight a a, a a new cut of his film, which was announced in May 2020. But I really kind of I dislike how Joss Whedon was almost excused from the criticism that was levied at the time. I feel like a lot of it unfairly went to Ben Affleck and Zack Snyder, but people didn't understand the complexities that went on behind the scenes of this film. Yeah, and it's not their fault. Like, it's the age of the studios again, you know? Like, they give Zack Snyder a crap load of money, and they can direct, they can write, they can film the movie that they want to, you know, show, but at the end of the day, if the studio executives say, hey, we want a film that's like Marvel... They're going to cut his film to shreds, and they did. They they omitted so many parts with in having Joss Whedon come in and do, like, cleanup. That's why people are pissed, because they're like, this is garbage. <laughs> CGI face? Like, what is this nonsense? Yeah, I think there was just this general lack of awareness on the studio on just how pivotal Justice League would be to the DC Extended oh, Universe. Yeah, and they c- there were... Yeah, go for it. There were just so many actors in Justice League that expressed disappointment with how the film turned out. Siren Hines, who played Steppenwolf, Ben Affleck, Gal Gadot, and Jason Momoa all expressed some version of disappointment. And even directors who made films in the DCEU, the James Wan, who did Aquaman, and Patty Jenkins, who did Wonder Woman and its sequel, all expressed this disappointment and I guess like a subdued anger at Joss Whedon for totally changing the trajectory of the DC extended universe, because a lot of what they did in their films, they based off of what Zack Snyder was doing in, or what they thought he was going to do in the justice league. Well, I guess part of it is, I guess you can't blame Joss Whedon in a way because he was hired. He was given a crap load of money and the executive said, make it funny, make it like Marvel. So they gave him $70 million, and that's what he did. So you can't, like, hate him for that, for trying to basically salvage a film that was 90% complete. But at the same token, they should have just waited 
and just let Zack Snyder return to the project when he was done grieving, you know? Like, I just... Because this film, even though it's four hours long, they could have cut it in half. They could have they could have had it finish when uh, Steppenwolf and them were, like, underground, and he was, like, blasted away by, like, the water and everything. That could have been the first part of the movie. And then they could have... He could have come back, re-shot, done the rest, and then they could have had a two-parter. But, I mean, having Joss Whedon come in and cut down a four-hour film to two hours. That's just insane. Yeah, I mean, I I certainly don't envy Joss Whedon for the task he was no. given, but I think no. he does have to shoulder some of the blame for how the original film turned out, as well as totally. Warner Brothers, too. To, I think I, if I were going to assign like blame splittage, I would say 40% of it on Joss Whedon and 60% of it is on Warner Brothers for... The, this whole this Herculean task of not only rewriting most of the film but also reshooting it to make it like the Avengers. I know they just and hopefully I mean we could say I mean would you say that COVID allowed this to happen? If it wouldn't have been for COVID nineteen, we probably wouldn't have had the Zack Snyder release. I kind of I mean, believe that. I mean, I can believe that to an extent, but the rele- the hashtag release of Snyder Cut moving really started almost immediately after the the original Justice League came out. And I think oh, yeah. the original film just left so many people with a bad taste in their mouth. And certainly mm-hmm. COVID with people spending most of their time indoors and on their keyboards or phones and on Twitter or whatever... Yes, the movement certainly gained gained steam, but given how it was announced in May of 2020 that a new cut would be released, I I have a feeling that these that these discussions were long ruminating, and something like this was going to happen at some point. But COVID was COVID the impetus? It's possible, but we'll never know for certain. But I don't think it can be stated or overstated just how disastrous the original Justice League was to the trajectory of the DCEU and Mm -hmm. the films that came out in that same year and the films that came out after it. Oh, yeah. And if you watch this whole film, the four hour, it's long, but it's almost like a love song to all those universes. I mean, he he fleshes out the Flash, fleshes out Cyborg, even a little bit of Batman. He pays such a tribute to um, what Patty Jenkins did with Wonder Woman, having that fantastic scene with like them fighting Steppenwolf. Um, he he has that scene with Aquaman, and they have William Defoe come in. I mean, there's just so much f- lore in this, so it works together. Like if you watch all those films, you and you see this Zack Snyder cut, it all makes sense. Whereas with the Josh Whedon, just doesn't make sense. It like. It's out. It's like out there. It's like, what? What is this movie? Who the hell directed this? Like the DCEU. I mean, like I said, it's try. It tried to do too much what Marvel was already doing. Mm. And every time it seemed like it would take a positive step forward, it would take two steps back into the left because Suicide Squad, I think, came out the year before in yeah. 2016. And that was a huge flop. I mean, well, they did w- the same thing. They cut the movie to shreds. They had a bunch of extra material to that was divulging in the characters. Like, oh, no one wants to watch that. <laughs> Ten year olds don't want to don't want to learn about the backstory. They want to see blood and violence, and they just cut the movie to shreds. Yeah, but then Wonder Woman came out, 
the same year as Justice League did, and that was a huge success. Like well, everybody Patty thought Jenkins. that. Yeah, Patty Jenkins did an amazing job. <laughs> Gal Gadot was amazing, and the movie was and incredible. It, it was perfect. Well, it was also fresh off of hashtag Me Too. So I dare the studio executive to come into Patty Jenkins and be like, you know what? We we want control of your movie. She's gonna be like, uh, hell no. But unfortunately. Um, Wonder Woman 84 fails because they gave Patty Jenkins total control of the film and she just kind of went crazy with it where uh, in 2020, you know, you can't just have a guy inhibit and, you know, inhabitate someone else's body and, you know. But I mean, future films in the DC EU like Aquaman, Shazam, Birds of Prey, they all helped kind of bolster that series of films. But everybody, I think everybody is still confused as to what exactly Warner Brothers and DC are going for with these series of films. Like it's all, it's all so confusing. Like what, <laughs> what is their ultimate goal here? I feel like they they've screwed the pooch too early by introducing Darkseid in by the time yeah. their fourth film has come out. I mean, it took us what like eighteen films in. The Marvel Cinematic yeah, Universe before we got to see Thanos in full form. Like, so what are they doing here? I just I don't get it. Well, I think that's that's kind of the question to ask. I don't think they know because they've just had so much studio meddling with all their films, like Man of Steel, Batman vs Superman, Justice League. They finally had they struck gold with like Aquaman and Wonder Woman, but I don't think they know with their trajectory, you know, like they did Birds of Prey. They're rebooting Suicide Squad, you know, 2.0. They found some money with Shazam, but I, I don't think they have like the Kevin Feige in charge of it, you know, who's planning out the whole universe. And we don't even know if there's going to be a sequel to this film. No, I mean because I will say I will say the future slate of DC films does look enticing. I will say that. It's um yeah. And I think the success of Joker in 2019 really kind of spurred on this thought of oh, well, yeah. we don't need films in the main series to be successful and I feel like that kind of gave people the freedom to creators to have the freedom to create films that exist within the DC universe, but they're sort of like single shot darker stories. And like Joker isn't a traditional Joker story. Is it an origin story? (laughs) Certainly it is. Is it the Joker story? Probably not. But you, but he, but Todd Phillips and Joaquin Phoenix were allowed the freedom to kind of do what they wanted with that character. Mm-hmm. But we're also getting a new Batman series with Robert Pattinson. Oh my God, I'm so excited! <laughs> I am too. I will say that that uh, trailer looks amazing. And well, dude, it's got Dano in it, and then it's got um, Colin Firth, Colin Farrell, who we love. We've talked the hell out of Colin Farrell. I mean, it's going to be incredible. And yeah, Robert and Pattinson be... is amazing as an actor. He's so great. Watch yeah, The Lighthouse. I, that would be my movie <laughs> recommendation. If you can watch a movie that's fantastic, watch The Lighthouse. Him and William Defoe, you'll you'll have like a new understanding of what a great people that say movies suck modern age, watch that movie. It's awesome. <laughs> I mean, you already mentioned The Suicide Squad. I mean, I would call that more of a soft reboot than a full reboot. 
I mean, Mar- Margot Robbie, Joel Kinnaman, Viola Davis are all set to come back from the original firm, uh, film, yeah. but James Gunn kind of brings his quirky uh, writing and very... He James Gunn knows how to direct an ensemble film, so I feel like the Suicide Squad oh, yeah. is in is is in safe hands. Um, oh, yeah. We're also get, we're also getting a Flash solo film that is for sure happening. We've got Ooh. Ezra Miller, Michael Keaton, and Ben Affleck. They're all they're oh, all my. slated to be in the film. So the, we're the, I mean it's rumored that the Flash film is going to explore some of the time travel aspects that are touched on here in Zack Snyder's Justice League. But now this one is going to go full bore into them. Like Michael Dude. Keaton is could, is said to be playing the Batman that he portrayed in 1989. And same thing with Ben <laughs> Affleck. He's betraying his respective Batman. So which <laughs> would that's going to be awesome. Dude, I know. And like, do you know how many times Keaton has been asked to come back? He turned it down. So, I mean, he just... I don't know what changed, but it's fan. I I'm so happy that he's coming back. Him with Affleck. I mean, fingers crossed that Bale comes back. I know they asked him, and he said he would only come back if Nolan says yes. You know, because he doesn't want to pay the disrespect to his trilogy. But that would just be insane to have all three. Oh, come on. I mean, me brief aside here. I mean, if I wanted Michael Keaton to come back as Batman, I want him to do a live action Batman beyond where he plays an old Bruce Wayne and Dude, a very young actor and a young oh actor God. like Timothy Chalamet plays Terry McGinnis <laughs> or somebody. I think that would be the greatest movie ever made. Oh my God. Everyone wants that. Like we've, everyone wants Batman beyond, you know, that was such a great series in the early two thousands. Keaton is perfect. Yeah, I was a bit too young to remember Batman the Animated Series. I loved that series. But when Batman Beyond came out, I was full on on board with it. My whole nine, ten-year-old self was just like, ah, Batman cartoons. <laughs> yeah, that series, check it out for people that haven't seen it. It's great. But there's other films. There's so many other films that are slated to come out. Aquaman 2, Shazam! Fury of the Gods, and Black Adam are all in production, they all have confirmed release dates, and they all seem to be chugging towards those release dates. So, fingers crossed that those all go off without a hitch, but there's so many other films that are in development right now, like Supergirl, Static Shock, Lobo, Green Lantern Corps, Gotham City Sirens, Batgirl, Zatanna, are all in various stages of either pre-production or development, and there's just, (laughs) there's too many to list here today, but this... Oh, yeah. I mean, it's leading. It, yeah, it's left me hopeful, but at the same time, Zack Snyder has said that Warner Brothers isn't on board with making a sequel to his vision of Justice League. I mean, so I get it because I know so many of those guys are done. Like Affleck is done with Batman; he's burned out. You know, he didn't even seem like he wanted to be there for the last ten minutes of the film when they shot the new footage. Uh, but it's so tough, you know, like, where do you go from there? Well, it's tough to figure that out. I mean, it's, I think you have to wait a little bit to sort of wait and wait and see what other films are doing in the series before you come back with a new Justice League. Cause I think, I think if Zack Snyder were to do like a, a Justice League sequel, I think he wants to wait maybe like 10 years 
after yeah. his his original film has come out. See what other films have kind of come out in the DCEU and build upon those. I and think really, he should do a trilogy. Yeah, that would be I, perfect. I think, but I, I think th- he should do a trilogy. Yeah. Yeah, but I think it, him taking a break from these films would really kind of allow other creators to step in and kind of maybe not totally change, but just slightly alter the trajectory of the DCEU. Introduce some new characters, introduce some new plot points, and then you can come in and say like 2028 or something and say, I'm we're ready to make a new Justice League. Mm-hmm. We've had that background. We We know what we're shooting for. You know, we have that outline. I mean, but now that Zack Snyder has found some new success with his cut of Justice League, there's a new hashtag that's trending, and it's <laughs> hashtag restore the Snyderverse, which, <laughs> to be honest, I don't know what that looks like. Oh, either. Um, I, th- I think this is just one of those things where people want it, but they don't know if they really, truly in their hearts want to know what that looks like. No, I, I think... They just they love this film and they're like, oh, my God, he had such a plan moving forward. I don't know if Snyder had a plan, you know, maybe he shot the new footage. And who knows if that would have been the footage that was going to initially be in the film. Right. No one knows because hindsight is 2020. He's had four years to ruminate over, you know, how the Joker was and how the 2017 version was, though. I heard he didn't see the 2017 version. I guess Chris Nolan saw it and he said he should never see this film. <laughs> yeah, that's something that kind of gets forgotten when you're discussing the DCEU is that Christopher Nolan and his wife and Zack Snyder and his wife, they all really work together to bring about a new version of not only Superman, but really kind of plot the trajectory of what I know. these films would look like. And then the Nolans left to work on other projects and then Warner brothers stepped in and just said like, well, we're not going to do any of that. Sort of like what Disney did with George Lucas's idea for star Wars post return of the Jedi. Yeah. They're like, we'll take it (laughs) and we'll make money with it. So, I mean, some final thoughts here, like are what, like overall, like, are you feeling hopeful for the DCEU? Like not just for the future films, but a potential sequel for the Justice League. Has Zack Snyder kind of turned you around to being a fan of the films within this series? Uh, so, yeah. So, seeing this film, you know, there's it's four hours long. It's uh, segmented. But this film really made me enjoy the movies, a superhero movie for what it is. Obviously, like I've always said, I love the Nolan trilogy. I think that's like a movie movie. But this film... It's it's right up there. It's like an epic. It's long, but you really get immersed. If you're able to focus for four hours, you can really get immersed in the culture and the lore, and it'll take you for a ride. So I, to me, this definitely, this got me. I, I was pretty excited to see where it's going to go from here. I'm excited for the Batman film, the Flash film. You know, I hope they continue with it, but who knows, man? How about you? I mean, I'm, I'm, I would call it, and I use this phrase a lot, I call it a cautious optimism for the future of the DCEU. I mean, a cautious optimism. Per, I mean, yes, I hope to see, you know, the sequels for Aquaman, Shazam, and, um, and the new Batman and, and the Suicide Squad. But I honestly, I want to see more of those single shot 
darker stories like we got with Joker. I like I think that there's some great material that could be mined there. Like um like Swamp Thing. He got his own series for a while, but I think a like yeah. a dark like a darker remake of Swamp Thing set in today's age of political activism, I think would translate well to an audience of this generation. Um, I feel like a lot of people have also been clamoring for an updated version of Constantine. And I think yeah. that could translate well. Um, and then also give me more Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. I think she is a cornerstone of this series. And it's a shame that she has she was misused for a little bit in the original Suicide Squad. But Birds of Prey was great, and I'm and I'm hoping Suic- the Suicide Squad is great. And I want to see more of Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn because I think she's just amazing in that role. She got it. She did. I'll agree with you there. As opposed to the Joker. Now, I've been waiting to talk about this a little bit. So what did you think of the last 10 minutes of the film? Because I know that's all the new stuff. I know a lot of people have heard a lot of different stories. I'll give you my opinion um, real quick. So... I actually didn't really care for the Nightmare Universe. I hate seeing it. But to me, it felt out of place. Because number one, Ben Affleck's face was like super skinny. And he just seemed kind of bored and out of place. And I really just can't stand Jared Leto as the Joker. I don't know why. But I just can't stand him. I guess it's maybe because I love Heath Ledger's version and Joaquin Phoenix is more like a real man turning into an enigma as opposed to like the comic book. So I just couldn't, I couldn't sink my fingers into it. I felt like this movie should have ended with um, Deathstroke and uh, Lex Luthor or like with the picture of the Justice League like standing up. I, I could not stand the Nightmare Universe. It just didn't make sense to me. And it just felt yeah, so, I mean, it was cool. It was cool, but it just didn't, ah, I just couldn't get it. How about you? It was and cool, but it, it just that's didn't. fine. It was cool. It just didn't do anything to help the film in that epilogue there. It just, I feel like it should have just been that montage of, you know, our heroes dying, dark side taking over the earth. And then you see the, this brief shot of maybe the heroes going to fight whoever, but that whole extended really awkward conversation that Batman has with the Joker where (laughs) Joker is clearly aware of Batman's identity. That's what I took away from that. And it just, that scene, at least that portion of it, that conversation, it just didn't do anything for me. It just felt awkward. And Mm -hmm. the the scene just should have ended full stop with Superman landing in front of them and preparing to kill them all. And then, you know, cut to Bruce Wayne waking up from a nightmare. Like, that's what, that's how that scene should have ended. Not this prolonged conversation between two adversaries. Maybe they were just trying to write the Joker because so many people hated Jared Leto's portrayal in Suicide Squad. I don't know. Could be, but if that's the case, then make a movie with him and Margot (laughs) Robbie kind of facing off against each other. Like, do what the Harley Quinn animated series is doing on HBO Max right now, but just translate it into live action. Like, do something like that. I think that would be killer. Yeah, I don't know. I just can't stand Jared Leto. <laughs> I just don't think he understands the character. But maybe I'm I'm ready to be wrong. I I'm ready to be wrong. So, who knows? So, with that in mind, what do you say we rate 
Zack Snyder's Justice League. Let's do it. All right. So our normal rating is going to apply here. Since Zack Snyder, his his cut of Justice League is set to get a physical media release sometime this year. So our normal rating is going to apply of wouldn't watch, would watch, would own, and would host a viewing party. What do you give to Zack Snyder's Justice League, Sean? All right. Zack Snyder's Justice League. So for me, I'm going to rate this as, um, you know what? I would actually host a viewing party with this. To me, this is great. This is like all the way up on our rating scale. I think it's great. I love the idea that he came back and, I mean, he just, he crushed it. We got to finally see his vision, his direction. They let him do the things that he wanted to do unhinged. And even though it's a long film, it's four hours long, but it's so rich with lore. Like I've said a million times, the the themes, the soundtrack of this film, when Wonder Woman appears, you get that cool uh, background music with her character. I mean, it, he just righted all the wrongs, and it's so great when you get to see a director, like the baby of a director's, you know? Like, this is, this is what he crafted. This is what he wanted. This is his vision. So to me... It crushed it. Um, like we said, it's that ending 10 minutes, the additional footage that kind of, it's like, what? What is this, the epilogue? But the original three and a half hours of this movie, great stuff. It's long, but if you're able to sit through Lord of the Rings Return of the King, I don't see why you can't sit through this. So I'm going to rate it as a viewing party. How about you, Chris? You know, I'm going to come in slightly below your rating, and I'm going to call this a wood out. I agree that it was a brilliant idea to give Zack Snyder a chance to redo this film and bring it up to snuff with what he had in mind when he was envisioning this film. And as much as an unenviable task as Joss Whedon had taking over for him in 2017, Zack Snyder almost had a, a an enjoyable task of saying, I basically have a blank slate and I'm going to correct what everybody else ruined with my film and i'm gonna make it how i thought it should have been done the dialogue was helped tremendously either toning down or beefing up some of the characters and i absolutely love 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 the new look of steppenwolf i that was one of the main weaknesses of the original film and that was finally made right here by making him a truly formidable foe for the justice league to to tackle and the film is meandering at times with a four-hour runtime like it's going to feel like its length does the 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 240 minute runtime does not do it any favors um i enjoy the action scenes however i wish there were a bit more of them and i wish a lot more that a lot less of them were in slow motion um however this film is definitely an improvement from the original cut but this has the same issue that Batman v Superman has, that this is for the mega fans. This isn't for the casual fans. I don't think the casual fans would enjoy it as much as the mega fans would. There, That's why I'm calling it a wood own. I'm not going to subject a casual Flash fan to come over to my home and watch this for four hours. That's, that's a big ask of somebody. So Zack Snyder's Justice League, great film but not going to ask anybody else to watch it. This is a wood own for me. <laughs> right on. <laughs> so, I love it, Chris. I, th 
I love it too, man. Um, but I think that's going to wrap up our very special look into Zack Snyder's Justice League. Thank you all for allowing us this indulgence here. And if you enjoyed this episode, please, please head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. It really helps to drive us up the charts as well as help people like you find the show. We are across the spectrum of social media with Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's all at Force Sci-Fi. You can check out and download episodes from Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you find podcasts. And go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Finally, you can check out our website, forcefedsci-fi.com, for show notes and links to all of our social media. We'll be back to our regular scheduled programming soon. And until then, we'll see you next time. Force Fed Sci-Fi is written and hosted by Sean Culp and Chris Rupp. Website design, associate producer, and editing by Jeremy Keske and Sean Culp. Artwork design by Mike Berger. Theme music composed and performed by Custom Anthem.